is for me to understand that I was not broken and there was nothing yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. I was swimming in shame, swimming in this feeling that I was, you know, not good enough, that I was broken, that I was failing. And, you know, what I thought was self-sabotage was actually self-protection. Welcome to the Art and Science of Eating. I'm Jessica Begg, registered dietitian and clinical counselor. I worked for 15 years in programs for the treatment of eating disorders. I now help those that struggle with emotional eating and their relationship with their body. This podcast is where I answer questions to help people along this bumpy journey to creating peace with both food and their body. Hi there and welcome back. This week's episode is a conversation I had with Victoria Evans. She's an intuitive eating coach that lives in Lisbon, Portugal, but she is Canadian. She calls herself a digital nomad that helps provide solutions to women through her online coaching. She tells us about her story with disordered eating, how she came around to feeling food freedom, and now how she helps other people do the same. So settle on in and let's listen to what Victoria has to say. Thanks so much, Victoria, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, great. Well, I hear that you're in Lisbon now, but you are Canadian. Tell tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so I'm I'm in uh, Lisbon, Portugal right now. I lived in Bali for three years before that. um, And I've really just been a digital nomad for the past like four years now, I guess, almost. Um, So I've been traveling the world and working online with clients and doing amazing podcasts like this. Uh, And so it's been just an incredible experience. But yes, I am Canadian. Um, I grew up outside of Toronto in a very small town. Um, I went to school in Pennsylvania and then worked a little bit corporate Fortune 500 beauty company. And things with my relationship with food, my body really started to deteriorate when I was at that job. And then ultimately ended up leaving that job and going on this beautiful healing journey and ultimately traveling the world. And here I am today. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that time in terms of um, how that worked? Because that's um, really interesting and how your work impacted your relationship with your body and maybe food. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, totally. So I'm someone who really always struggled with my body. I thought that smaller was better, cute and prettier was like, you know, the end all be all. And I really kind of carried that narrative through my entire life, which resulted in me struggling with bulimia for 10 years and binge eating and bullshit eating and everything under the sun. Um, And then things really kind of came to a pinnacle when I was working for this company. And it was very kind of Vogue-esque, very beauty-based kind of company. And, you know, again, this idea really came to the forefront that if I just looked cuter, if I just looked prettier and was sexier and all the things that were socialized as a woman to really believe that are, you know, the end all be all as it were. Um, I was really convinced that like, you know, if I could just get to a certain body size, then my life would start, Mm -hmm. then I would be happy. And, you know, I also struggled with my mental health, like depression, anxiety. And so this idea that happiness would come to me in a smaller body was just this future, beautiful, attractive thing that felt so elusive. And, you know, I started to kind of go on this crazy journey when I was working there and I 
basically decided that I was going to finally do it once for all. I was going to lose this weight. My life would begin. And I went on Instagram and I found the, you know, the fitness influencer with the best abs and the most followers, millions of followers. And I bought her 12 week weight loss guaranteed program. And I was like, this is going to be my moment. Like this is going to be it. And I remember getting the program and being like, oh, this is not a lot of food. I'd always been an athlete and I was working out always and the food and it's nothing really seemed like it made sense. Mm -hmm. I was a lot of like red flags and some warning bells going on. So I messaged her and I was like, Hey, just got your training plan. looks like the calories are pretty low. Like I'm feeling pretty dizzy when I'm eating this amount. Oh no, no, that's totally normal. Like that's totally fine. Your stomach is shrinking. Just like fast and drink more black coffee. Okay. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. In hindsight, you know, I'm like, oh my God, red flag, red flag. But at the time, you know, I was like, she has millions of followers. She has the body that I want. So I'm going to blindly trust her. And I you know, I think so many of us will see influencers or people online and we just think that we can blindly trust them because they have so many likes and followers. Yeah. And, you know, that's just, it's not the case. And we need to be really careful about who we place our trust in. Um, and so I went on this kind of program and I basically kind of went all in on it, started to lose a lot of weight really quickly, but in a very unhealthy way. So I was on this program and then I kind of made it my own version where I became more restrictive. Um, I made it, you know, the calorie counting became more obsessive. The food scale came with me everywhere. Mm. You know, I was working out like three, four hours a day. And my whole world all of a sudden just became about shrinking myself and obsessing about the number on the scale. And, you know, I I lost a lot of weight. All of a sudden I was posted online, my before and after photos. Look at Victoria. She's killing it on my program, getting all this praise and all this attention that I'd always desired to have for my body. You know, what I felt like I was always lacking my entire life. And there I was looking the way I thought I quote unquote should look, you know, the, the abs and the cut shoulders and everything. And never had I been so unhappy or unhealthy or just miserable and obsessive and anxious. And it was this really kind of, you know, these earth shattering moments that just continue to happen where, you know, then my, my hair was falling out. I've lost my period. Like I was just an absolute, an absolute mess. And I had this kind of realization, you know, like maybe my body is not the solution because it was never actually the problem. That's such an important piece right there, isn't it? Right. Like you started at it being like, okay, let me fix, let me get myself more comfortable in this situation that it sounded like really um, difficult to be Mm -hmm. amongst, amongst a lot of beauty focused stuff. And you're thinking, okay, my anxiety about that, I'm going to fix it this way. But it's interesting how you said, like, actually my anxiety got way worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your health of obviously too. Mm -hmm health, mental health, like everything went spiraling downhill. And something I'd failed to grasp my entire life was I was a perfectionist and I didn't consider myself a perfectionist because I wasn't someone who's a perfectionist in school, but I was a perfectionist when it came to how I wanted to look. I thought that, you know, if I was just more perfect, if I was just skinnier and prettier and wore my makeup better and did my hair better, then I would feel loved and valued and worthy. And I wouldn't feel all those feelings of uh, blame and judgment and shame and all those negative things that we experience as humans inevitably. Mm -hmm. But I thought it's just because I wasn't perfect enough. So I was chasing this, you know, smoke basically where I never felt like I was good enough but I was trying to feel like I was good enough through these external means that would never actually get me to that place. Yes. And 
it's, it's so, and we all get, we all get caught up in it. Right. And, you know, especially if you've been socialized as a woman, we've been really sold this idea that our value to the world is our appearance and it's, it keeps us so distracted and so busy. And ultimately it means that we can't even fully live. Right. If I spend all my time counting my calories and worrying about my thigh gap, it means that I'm not only going to be unhappy and miserable, but then this idea, this beautifully attractive idea that once I get to that point, then I'll be happy becomes even more, you know, kind of perpetuated because you're not happy now. So it means I must do better and be better and look better Mm -hmm. so I can get to that place. And, you know, the irony of it is that the seeking of the perfection and seeking of looking a certain way is what drives, you know, the feelings of unhappiness and inadequacy. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so backwards. Cause I was like, okay, I'm going to be happy when I get there, but it was the trying to control everything in my life, my food, body, exercise, diet, everything that prevented me from that happiness. So, you know, some big lessons were kind of learned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause how, how did you, knowing that you get, and many people, well, many people get in this cycle where there's a lot of positive reinforcement to put yourself at so high risk in terms of mental and physical health, what was the turning point for you where it wasn't that, that balance or the payback wasn't enough? Mm -hmm. It was a very clear moment for me. Um, I remember that I had woken up around like 2am and I'd had a handful of trail mix in my kitchen. And for me, this was like, absolutely not horrible. I can't do like, that's not allowed. And I remember being so tired and wanting to just go back to sleep, but that eating disorder voice in my head was like, no, you know, you have to go burn this off. Like your whole, you know, identity as a person is the girl who lost weight, the girl with abs. It's who I was. I was like, you have to get up and you have to go and do this. So I remember I literally crawled to the closet crying and put on my running gear and decided that 30 kilometers was an adequate punishment for a handful of trail mix. And I remember running the streets of Montreal, just crying and the headlights of cars, like lighting up my face and just being like, I don't want to be here right now. I want to be at home and in bed and asleep because I was just so empty in every single sense of the word and so tired, just exhausted of living in that cycle. And but I didn't know how to not be there. I didn't know how to not be that girl that had lost weight. You know, that became my identity. That's how I felt seen, even though it was an empty feeling of seen. And I remember getting to the top of Mount Royal in Montreal and the sun was just starting to rise over the city. I just had this moment where I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know, like I know I'm killing myself. My hair was falling out in clumps from like no lack of nourishment and my period was gone. I, everything in my life became so small and so hyper fixated on food and my body. And I just had this moment where I was like, I know that I have more to offer the world than my abs, <laughs> which sounded like a very kind of silly thing. Right. But it's like, I, since I was a little girl, I had this such a clear image in my mind, that like, I'm going to have abs and I'm going to be this like sexy, empowered, you know, strong woman. And there I was with abs and I had never felt more weak and more empty and more disconnected. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh my God, like really identity shattering where I was like, maybe I'm destined for something else than just shrinking myself. And that was really scary because up until that point, I thought that that's who I needed to be in order to start living, not realizing that trying to be that person was what was preventing me from living. Mm, right. 
And so for me, you know, that led to be running down the hill and calling eating disorder hotline. And for the first time in my life, I just opened up. And, you know, when I talk to people about this, I'm like, honestly, it's, it's the vulnerability and it's the talking about it. That is like that huge first step because, you know, when we're stuck in these cycles, we get stuck in the cycles because they're our own little cycle, right? We can remain so secretive and feel mm-hmm. so much shame around it because we don't let anyone in. And you're not always thinking straight, right? We're deprived of nourishment and, you know, something like eating disorder. It's like, it's not a illness of the body. It's an illness of the mind. So you're not thinking clearly. Your thoughts are kind of distorted. You have a very kind of zoom lensed in on what matters and what's important in life. And we talk to other people can help give us some perspective and understanding and bring a different kind of, you know, understanding and perspective, I guess, of what actually matters in life. It's kind of like you take the zoom lens and kind of zoom out a little bit. And sometimes we, you know, we need those people. We need to have those moments of connection and feeling heard and seen and having that vulnerability, which is the scariest thing in the world. But for me, that was really that moment when I was, you know, standing at the top of the mountain where I was like, okay, the validation of people, the people telling me that I look good in the abs, this has got me to here. It's not going to change. You know, it's like, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? It's like, nothing changes and nothing changes. I can't continue on this path and expect all of a sudden to have freedom and be happy because, you know, we're never going to be free by implementing control. And yet I was in a state of hyper control in my life, expecting to find a sense of freedom. And it was just never going to happen. How did you make that shift too? Because I think that that's also really difficult to think that, um, you know, this control is really what's keeping me here as in like, it's the only thing that I'm clinging on to and to let go of that grip to get to food freedom and also body freedom. It can be really scary for people because perhaps they've never even thought that they could do that. Was there something, or maybe even in retrospect that now, you know, in terms of that transition too? Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things for me to kind of make that bridge as it were, that kind of transition phase is for me to understand that I was not broken and there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah. I was swimming in shame, swimming in this feeling that I was, you know, not good enough, that I was broken, that I was failing. And you know, what I thought was self-sabotage was actually self-protection. Yes. And for me, like, and for me to, so for me, when I started the recovery process, like I was talking to people and, you know, talk about emotions, but for me to really kind of accelerate my, my healing and my growth and my, you know, my recovery, I had to take this very real ownership and responsibility of understanding myself which meant I had to do a lot of research and I had to do a lot of Googling and a lot of books and a lot of scientific journals. I have a very kind of analytical, logical, rational mind. So I had to piece in with, you know, the emotional vulnerability and understanding how I felt and all that with the science of things. So like, why did I feel out of control when I started eating certain foods? You know, why do I, every time that I can't get to the gym, feel like I'm about to have a panic attack, you know, like all these things that I thought were just inherently me being terrible as a person and failing, understanding it from more of a biological perspective and being like, oh, I'm just feeling this way because, you know, for example, why I feel like I can't stop eating after I have one cookies because I have a dopamine surge in my brain, that anticipation of reward, it's fueling me. It's kind of taking off the line, my prefrontal cortex, part of my brain with like higher thinking, you know, cognitive, you know, impulse control. And it's the two parts of my brain that have different priorities. 
So it's not that there's something wrong with me that I feel like a different person. I start eating my body's doing exactly what it needs to do to keep me alive. Mm -hmm. And it's just me understanding like, Oh, that's just more my primitive part of my brain having a survival kick in response Mm -hmm. because I'm not eating enough. And then I have my prefrontal cortex, which is kind of more rational thought. And they're just like having a little bit of a fight right now. And that's okay. It's just understanding kind of what need was unmet, you know, through the, through the understanding of my body and biology and everything, the educational empowerment piece was just so important. The understanding the why I was doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So instead of the shame, I was able to meet it with that compassion and that curiosity, which was an absolute game changer. Yeah. Cause it makes sense that how you can see how functional your body is rather than Mm -hmm. that you, that it was a failure of yours, that it was operating in a way that was really keeping you alive and keeping you doing what you needed to do and how, then the predictability in in that space helps, I guess, helps to transition. That's great. That's amazing. So tell us about where you are now. Yeah. So I am living my best life. (laughs) Yes. I I love Lisbon. (laughs) We're talking about that alone. I love Lisbon, but yes, yes. About who you are. (laughs) Um, I am, well, I'm currently working online as a coach. So I call myself a science-based intuitive eating coach. Basically I really lean into the understanding, the empowerment through education, um, a lot of kind of different tools and techniques to help, you know, really rewire our brain and create new neural pathways Um, which I just find so empowering. And I'm really all about helping other women to let go of the dieting, let go of that, you know, the hyper control and fixation around food and your body, because I just have such this feminist kind of approach to this where I'm like, we have so much more to offer the world and dieting is a distraction. You know, we have limited resources of time and energy. And if we're spending all of that worrying about how many calories you've eaten that day, we can't do what we need to do in this world. And so I really live that and breathe that. And I travel the world, I meet amazing people and I have epic conversations and I get to work online with people all over the world as well. Cause everything I do is virtual calls and coaching programs. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey going from that girl who was running with the headlights, lighting up her face, you know, in the cars and thinking that, you know, gaining 10 pounds was be worse than death to now feeling so confident and just excited and going out and having the burger with friends and dancing and not, you know, wearing the bikini to the beach. I don't care about my rolls or my cellulite. And so it's just been this beautiful journey where, you know, if I could talk to my younger self, just instilling in her that like knowledge, that understanding that like your body is not your worth and you just have so much more life that is coming and like get excited because, you know, you thought that everything that was important to you was how you looked physically and your body is the least interesting thing about you. It's like a personality delivery system. It just gets you from point A to point B, but it's not who you are. Um, and yeah, so I don't know if that kind of answered the question. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It's kind of nice actually, because it's, it's like you've gone full circle, like your intention around trying to look a certain way was really around empowerment that you you thought that that was where you were going to get gain your strength. But I love that you delved into that and saw that it wasn't really a great fit. But you're actually kind of you're still keeping to that value system of yours of mm-hmm. empowerment so that you're empowering the women that you work with. And I love that you're seeing it as a real advocacy type role of seeing that this is 
is how we've been, women have been kept down. And I love that, how you can use that just like we use in different other intersections of people that you can see that different minorities of people that have been um, suppressed and oppressed through this notion of in order to be successful, you need to look a certain way or you need to be a certain person. So I love that. I love that you're still keeping true to yourself in all ways. Yeah. And thank you so much. And I think like, for me, the biggest thing is like, when you, you know, when you look in the mirror and you tell yourself, like, I want to lose weight or I need to look a certain way. What you're really saying is I want to feel loved. I want to feel valued. I want to feel heard. I want to feel good enough. And none of those things are going to come from your body. So just in those moments, when you're having those thoughts about, I need to look a certain way, ask yourself, like, what is this really about? Because what we usually think is a body problem is actually a life problem. Mm-hmm. So getting super open and super, super honest and super curious and asking yourself, you know, those questions and knowing that the fixation on the body and looking a certain way in the food, it's never going to get you to where you actually want to go, which is again, feelings of connection and heard and all of that. Um, and so just leaning into that, I think for me has been such an important part of my work and the vulnerability and the empathy, because I think a lot of us think that we're alone in this, that we're the only one who struggles with these things. And that was been such a powerful part of my journey where it's like, I get to connect with their people and work with their people and who've been where I've been and I've been where they've been. Right. And we can understand each other and just feel heard and seen and connected. Right. Which is the only thing we ever really want, which is again, why I love podcasts because we can feel all those things with people we've never even met before, but Mm. just having that opportunity to see yourself in someone else and see what is possible for you, uh, I think is just so incredibly important. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Victoria, for your hard work. This is, it's great to have seen your own journey and how you're also helping people along their journey too. Has there been any books or anything that was your favorite books or pod or podcasts, any kind of resources that was one of your favorite um, that maybe could offer to our listeners? Yeah, I think this one's a bit of a denser one, but I, it's mm-hmm. very powerful. I can get through it. Um, but Polyvagal Theory by Dr. Stephen Porges. It's Mm. very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's basically kind of understanding more about your nervous system and regulation and what that looks like. And my entire life, I lived in a very, you know, sympathetic fight or flight, you know, very kind of defensive, unsafe feeling in my body. And for me to kind of understand that everything I was doing was very reactive because everything felt very scary and overwhelming. Um, reading that book helped me to better understand myself, my nervous system, um, how to regulate it, the importance of connection, uh, you know, not beating yourself up if you find yourself responding in a certain way, but rather getting curious uh, and so deep into the science of it that for me, I found that very grounding. So I think the work of intuitive eating and body confidence and all that, it can sometimes feel a bit not airy, but it can feel a bit elusive and a bit difficult mm-hmm. to kind of understand in terms of applicable And so I love having things that are very understandable, strategic, um, and just kind of very grounded in facts and science. Um, And so I love to kind of make tools from that and, you know, work people again on how to like regulate their nervous systems. Because if your body doesn't feel safe, if you don't feel safe, then you're not really able to work through a lot of these things. Because a lot of the time, 
we reach for the control of food and the control of body because we're trying to feel safe in our body. And so we're not able to really let those things go until we find other ways to feel safe in ourselves. Absolutely. That's a great one. Okay. I'll put a, I'll put a link in our show notes for that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Victoria, for coming on and all the best to you and hope you have a good happy new year too. It's coming up to the end of the year. Amazingly already. Yes. I'm a slime. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks, Victoria. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Your story is wonderful. It's so wonderful. And I know people actually, I, of all the feedback that I've gotten from stuff on my podcast, people have really enjoyed hearing other people's journeys and how they've gone through their work. So this is really great. It's nice that you were able to transition to doing it, to working in the area. Hey. Yeah. It's been like the most incredible, rewarding thing ever. Like oh, I literally good. just like, it just brings me so much joy and Mm. I work with such incredible people and mm. I just, I f- yeah, I feel honestly just so grateful. Yeah. It's been really cool. That's great. Yeah, I've been doing it for like coaching for just over three years now. So yeah. 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 Oh, that's amazing. I feel the same way. Actually. I love what I'm doing. I want to just to see you light up where you're like, Oh, the people I work with, I, I love working with the same population. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that's good. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so that's much. Thank, thank you so you. much for d- taking time out of your night <laughs> to talk yeah, to me. No, so I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Well, take care, Victoria. You as well. Thank yeah. you. If you'd like to come on the show to have me answer your question live, or you have a question you'd like me to answer on my own on the show, email me at support at shiftnutrition.ca. Looking forward to chatting with you all. See you next week. This podcast is for education and information purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team to discuss what is right for you and your care.